Welcome to the Science of Caring podcast. I am Dr. John Nelson, and this week I have my colleagues and friends, Kay Kennedy and Lucy LeClaire. Both of them are from U Leadership, and I'm going to have them introduce themselves in just a moment. But this week's session is going to be talking about their leadership program, their compassion for self program, and we'll be talking about measurement. So I'm looking forward to talking about the important things that they're doing in the work of healthcare. So, Kay, let's have you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll have Lucy share about herself. Kay? Great. First of all, John, thank you for allowing us to have the opportunity to speak with you today. We are excited to share with you and the listeners about the program that we have created in our book that's coming out, Human-Centered Leadership. So my name is Kay Kennedy, and I am a nurse leader a nurse executive, and a nurse entrepreneur. I also teach in several programs in nursing at Emory University. So I've had the opportunity to serve in leadership positions from the bedside to the CNO suite and have learned a lot over the years. Recently, I would say in like the last three years, had the real opportunity to come together with two other like-minded leaders so that we were able to actually come up with a leadership theory that's based on research. And we're going to be sharing more about that today. My passion in my career is to teach and prepare other leaders for leadership Oftentimes, people leave uh, lessons of leadership to the individual to learn by themselves. And I feel strongly that you can learn how to be a great leader. And learning that early on in your career is very important. So that's my passion. And that's why I'm involved in you leadership. Lucy? I'll echo what Kay said. Thank you so much for having us with you today and for being able to share the work we've done and how we've been able to collaborate with you because you've been such a big part of validating our work that we've put a lot of labor and love into. But uh, my name's Lucy LeClaire, and I'm also a nurse executive leader, teacher, and researcher. I have a PhD in nursing and a few other degrees (laughs) along the way. And my passion has been around professional development and awakening the excellence and potential in every nurse from the bedside to the boardroom, but particularly over the last few years, the focus that that Kay and, and our other colleague Susan want to leave is a legacy around human-centered leadership that's rooted in the essence of nursing and is research and evidence-based. So thank you. Wonderful. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit about yourselves and sort of where your passions lie. That's uh, very helpful for getting the context of our conversation today. And as we dive into learning more about your company, your leadership and your programs and your book, etc. But let's start off with talking about your theory or your framework of leadership. You had called me a few months ago and we talked about uh, validating your measure. And the first question that I asked was, is, well, tell me about your framework. And so then you began to tell me about the four dimensions that you believe are essential for effective leadership. So tell us a little bit about your framework of leadership. 
Well, since it started with research, I want to ask Lucy to pick that up and tell us tell about the research behind the theory and how it came together. Sure. So human-centered leadership was something that has evolved into a theory over the last two and a half years or more that we've been working together as a research team and as a development team, really. So we came together and we talked and we shared our own stories. And and this will make sense when I get to the actual research methodology that we used, which is constructivist grounded theory. So we realized that there were leaders in our past that, and in our our present time, actually, as nurses and, and being in healthcare for decades, leaders that we would follow to the end of the earth. And when we did our due diligence with our literature search, we discovered that that nursing and healthcare itself as a broad discipline borrows a lot of theories from the business world. For example, transformational leadership is from the business world, servant leadership, and the list goes on authentic, transactional, traditional. We couldn't nail down or find anything specific that that related or described or illustrated our own experience in healthcare, that there was a unique type of leader that exists in healthcare that are able to balance the human side of nursing and healthcare alongside the metrics. So we set out to discover what that was about. So we embarked on a, an official research journey using constructivist grounded theory. And we performed focus group interviews with nurses from, again, the bedside to the boardroom. We keep using that phrase, but it's really illustrative of the target population because we believe all nurses are leaders, whether you work at the bedside or whether you're a a director. So we performed the um, focus group interviews and we asked two simple questions. We had a whole interview guide ready for these focus groups and we discovered that we really only needed two questions. And one was describe the leader you would follow to the end of the earth and describe the leader who would make you consider leaving your position or might want to leave your current role. So those were the two questions and the nurses just went to town. We could have talked for hours and hours about their descriptions and what that resulted in it using constructivist grounded theory. It was, the result was we were able to honor the experiences of our participants alongside our own experiences, alongside history, the historical perspective, as well as the literature that we were able to find. So all that came together into what we'll share more about, which is our the four dimensions that you mentioned, John, of human-centered leadership. And the four dimensions, it starts with you. So the first dimension is the leader themselves, taking care of themselves, and lots of rich information around that. And then the other three dimensions were the awakener, connector, and upholder. And that's where we were able to then develop our instrument, the human-centered leadership appraisal, which is comprised of 15 questions based entirely in the theoretical foundation that I just described to you. So that's the summary of where we are. And then we called John and said, we want to validate, see if this is a valid and reliable instrument. And Kate, talk to us a little bit about each of those, the awakener and the different dimensions that uh, Lucy just referred to. Could you just give us a little definition of each of those? Absolutely. So starting with self, now the name of our company, you said you leadership, that's because it starts with you, but it's not about you. 
So starting with yourself, the leader being embedded in the organization rather than positioned above it, the leader has to focus on taking care of themselves, modeling that for their team. And within that concept, we include self-compassion, self-awareness, which is a part of emotional intelligence, And we focus on mindfulness because we feel that that is truly a way to control your stress and to be able to be present in the moment so you can make better decisions and form more trusting relationships. So that's the first dimension, the self, and that is the self of the leader. The other three dimensions, we'll start with the awakener. And the awakener is focused outward. And as the awakener, portion or dimension of the leader is focused outward, that dimension talks about cultivating the team members, developing them, helping them to become the best that they can be personally, professionally. And especially as the leader focuses on professional growth among their team, That result of that is that you get better outcomes because you have professionally developed workforce. And the culture that results from that is a culture of excellence. The next dimension would be the connector. And the connector is about uniting the team around shared mission, vision, values. As the connector works towards that unification of the team and is open to innovation and new ideas and change, the connector is able to build that healthy work environment. And we know the benefits of a healthy work environment are tremendous. And the culture change that comes about as a result of a healthy work environment is a culture of trust. Lastly, the upholder is the dimension that's focused on recognizing the humanity in self and in others. And so the upholder is really focused on creating that experience that is positive for both the team members and the patients. So the result of the work of the connect the upholder dimension is to create a culture of caring. The entire program is focused on the behaviors of the leader, the result of those behaviors and the cultures that come about. And the culture would be a culture of excellence, trust, and caring. And that culture that contains that richness brings about the outcomes we all struggle to obtain, which relate to outcomes uh, for excellence around quality and patient safety, outcomes of engagement that come from a culture of trust, and outcomes on RN satisfaction, staff satisfaction, and patient satisfaction that comes from a culture of caring. Well, that's absolutely wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Kay and Lucy, for that review of the, both the history and the content. It was brief, but it was really helped me and I think our listeners understand more about your framework. So tell us a little bit about when you go into an organization and it's obvious, maybe not only to you, but there's a report from those that have brought you into the organization that the culture that you've just reported about the awakener, the connector, 
etc., that it's just not in that organization. So what do you do to be able to facilitate and usher in that culture and to help them establish that? So talk to us about the process that you use to make that a reality with an organization that it does not currently exist. John, that's such a great question. And we call it actually the million dollar question. What do you do when you, you you know you're a human-centered leader, for example, that's embedded, who is embedded within an organization or a leadership group or cohort or colleagues who are not as like-minded and, and the culture is not what Kay described as that culture of trust, excellence, and caring. And so at, at U Leadership, the way we developed the theory that also aligns with our program, our boots-on-the-ground type program is that we introduce ways, tools, we have a toolkit, we call it, and and it's included in the program itself, as well as the book and, and just the way we operationalize and introduce the concept to hospitals and organizations is that we try to address the the buy-in, first of all, of the leaders and see where they are, do an assessment, an initial assessment of where the leaders are as far as being human-centered. And if there's going to be some consensus or some understanding between all the leaders about how human-centered leadership looks in reality and and how we operationalize it. So when we come into an organization, as I said, we we do an initial assessment to see what the culture's like, what the leaders are like, what their styles are. And from from there, one of the first things we do is introduce the concept of the, the model itself. And what we've discovered is that it really does resonate once leaders who may not fit the human-centered leader cultures that we've described, once they see and hear the model and Kay will validate this. We have had so many nurses and and healthcare providers, physicians as well say that just resonates with um, with the heart of healthcare and the heart of nursing. So that's a big part of of how we introduce the concept because it really opposes the traditional mindset that a lot of healthcare organizations are currently focusing on, and. In light of the last two years, the chaos and challenges that, that we've all experienced between higher acuity of patients, higher volumes of patients, the staffing issues we've all seen, the, the money issues, financial issues that hospitals have experienced, human-centered leadership really resonates with, with leaders when we talk to them in terms of, let's get back to recognizing the humanity of our patients. And I think we've all seen those news stories over the last few years of how important human touch and caring and authenticity and, and how we approach not just our patients, but our team members really works. So th- that's the basic introduction. And then when we're able to get leaders to really, the light bulb kind of goes off and they start to say, well, this really is something that, that we need and might help change our culture. So then we introduce our program for leaders, which involves hybrid format, multimodal of online engagement, as well as live workshops that we do with the actual leaders who are part of the program. And we do our human-centered leadership appraisal, the assessment at the beginning, at the middle, and at the end of the program so that we can 
help them assess their progress in growing toward those cultures of trust, excellence, and caring that we've mentioned. No, that's just great. Kay, do you have anything to add to that? Well, I wanted to ask Lucy to also talk about a chapter that's in our book. Our book is actually coming out in December in bookstores, although we have books in boxes already. <laughs> but our book is called Human-Centered Leadership in Healthcare, Evolution of a Revolution. So in the book, we address one issue that does come up, and that is people ask us, what do you do if you are a human-centered leader and you're establishing that culture that brings about consistent outcomes through your human-centered leadership? But maybe the person you report to is not a human-centered leader and is much more traditional in focus. And so we wanted to approach that question in our book. And so we wrote a chapter called Dealing with Joy Interrupters. Lucy actually authored that chapter. So I want her to just tell you a little bit about some of the techniques that she described. And I think some of these are from personal experience <laughs> that really seem to help in that situation. Absolutely. Thanks, Kay. Joy interrupters is, is something that I think each of us has experienced. We could tell stories, I think. I'm sure some stories today. But what a joy interrupter means is just what Kay said. It's when when you are recognizing that you are an awakener, a connector, an upholder, that human-centered leader. And there might be a very traditional command and control colleague who you have to work with on a on a regular basis who doesn't seem to embrace human-centered leadership. So a, a couple of the approaches that we talk about and that we talk about these in our workshops as well when we're on site with organizations are to learn how to navigate those challenging conversations. Communication is a huge part of, of what we actually do talk about in our program and in the theory itself is that communication is the key and honest, transparent communication. And one of the, the phrases that we use that we talk about is, you know, kind communication to be very thoughtful and mindful as we respond to those joy interrupters who are around us. And to be consistent with that type of communication where we're using evidence as well. We keep our conversations very focused on the facts and evidence. And we try to, to keep our emotions at bay, but, and bring it back to the shared goal. That's the other really big technique that we, we advise for that million dollar question. What do you do with joy interrupters in your leadership circle is to bring us back to the shared goal, which is to take care of patients and to facilitate their journey through the healthcare system and through healing. And that's what we're about as healthcare leaders. We have to facilitate that journey. So evidence-based kindness, I think is what we call it, where you, you speak in facts, but you're very kind and compassionate to those leaders who, who may not be on the same page. And those are the basic techniques. And I would... I would just add, John, that human-centered leadership is based on the science of complexity. And in complexity science, there's the concept that what one person does can have a, a bigger impact than you might recognize. 
And that is really just the power of modeling. We call it the butterfly effect. And so we feel like flapping our wings around can make quite a difference. And people can see the impact that a human-centered leader has on their staff, on their own stress reduction and self-care, and the outcomes that follow. Oh, that's really wonderful. And what I understand, since when we first started our discussion today, you were talking about this, leaders are from all the way from the bed to the boardroom. And so I would assume that these leaders that are joy interrupters, they also (laughs) uh, may be in these classes and they also may be evolving along with the ones that they're interrupting the joy for. You are absolutely right, John. And we, we've, Again, we have some some great stories to to tell and share about that. We one organization we work with, and and you know how you can feel for a group how they're going to be. And and there was one nurse leader in particular, and she would sit in meetings with her arms crossed and wouldn't contribute a lot. And as we've gone through the program with her, it was amazing to watch her blossom and flourish. And she started to reveal more about how she was growing as a human-centered leader, particularly in the attribute of being an upholder, which is, you know, recognizing the humanity in others and the culture of caring. So she really did start to embrace. And that's the, the other, I think, big point to make is that culture change takes time. We, we can't just say, hey, here's human-centered leadership, change tomorrow. It's not going to happen overnight. So that's another big point we make with with joy interrupters and just with introducing the concept of human-centered leadership is that it it takes time for that culture to evolve as a whole. And we know that that it just takes time. So we had a great example. I know Kay knows who I'm talking about, and it's it's been beautiful to watch. Wonderful. No, I love I love that story. So thank you for sharing that. And I think the thing that is so important in my research, I use a lot of complex models, structural equation models. So that would be great for sort of the context you're describing in complexity, because we need to move beyond just measuring single items to measuring uh, multiple items so we understand the interplay and the covariance of the different concepts like civility, like leadership, like caring, like self-care, all those things Mm -hmm. do have an effect. Now, the one thing I am interested in studying is how leadership impacts patient outcomes, because I think just like the quadruplane, it is the staff who interfaces with the patient that has the most impact, I think. And currently, and I talk about this in my book that is coming out in July of uh, this year, 2021. And the title of the book is Using Predictive Analytics to Improve Healthcare Outcomes. But what we find is we measure the patient data as it relates to patient outcomes. We measure the system data as it relates to patient outcomes, but we don't measure the belief and behaviors of the staff. And that's what I'm working on doing is looking at how does um, the staff's caring of self, caring of manager, clarity and job satisfaction impact outcomes. Now, what I am what I'm really hoping to do in this next year or two is to add to the structural equation the impact of the leader 
on that profile of staff. So if they have a caring leader that facilitates professional growth and clarity of role and, and promote self-care, um, especially in this post-COVID or almost post-COVID period, that caring for self is so important. And within the COVID, we not only burned out the staff, but we also burned out the leaders. And so what I think is so important is teaching them how to care for self, not just the staff, but the leader as well. So I love that your model includes within the four dimensions, the self-compassion. So I think that's important. So I want to talk a little bit about in the interest of measuring the impact of leadership and as they evolve, we theorize that the more mature they are in these concepts of connecting and state those four again, it was connecting, upholding and awakening, awakening. and then the self-care. So those as those four dimensions evolve and become solidified and part of the culture, we theorize that then the staff are healthier and the outcomes are healthier, the cost is lower, the productivity is higher. I mean, all those wonderful things that the mm-hmm. aim is trying to propose. Now, the thing that I am looking forward to is working with you or watching you measure as these leaders evolve, how does that relate to their outcomes? So in the predictive analytics, once you leadership comes in, and they do not have the culture. They have the arm folding people that are in the audience. And as they learn to unfold their arms and to embrace self-care and all these dimensions, what happens to the outcomes? So talk to me a little bit about, because I loved how when you called me, you were very transparent in just, just stating, you know, we have an instrument that we, that has, um, face and content validity. We've had it validated, but we want to have construct validation. So we would like for you to test it more deeply for the reliability and the validity. So talk to me a little bit about the development of your instrument and then sort of our experience together in advancing the measurement of leadership as you teach it. Now, this episode does have a second part to it, so we welcome you to visit our website and to see part two of our interview with Kay Kennedy and Lucy LeClaire.